from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. This is the best beer show on the internet. That's what our moms say about it. That works, man. That works. <laughs> Good job. Good job. So somebody sent listener mail and they were like, yeah, they made a reference. They to made that. a reference to. I was like, maybe we should start doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. I just thought, like, new host, like, maybe we would do oh, yeah, yeah. Gig. I don't know. Anyway. Dude, you're good. <laughs> Ad reads. Ad reads. The American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. And I'd like to give a big shout-out to our patron, specifically Black Belt patron Andy Thompson. If you like like to be as awesome as Andy and the rest of our patrons, head over to patreon.com slash blindestudios and become a patron today. And if you're doing Amazon shopping, and you know we, you know you probably are because Jeff Bezos runs everything, uh, head over to, to blindestudios.com, click on the Amazon link at the bottom of our homepage, do your Amazon shopping as normal, uh, and it really helps us out. Alrighty, Brian. Y'alls? My friend, colleague, co-host... What have you been up to, man? Man, I do this every time where uh, the first we record two shows right in a row. And the first show, I always blow my wad and say oh, that's fine. You know what? Let's, uh, let's, let's instead, instead of this. What oh. is I have. I have well, oh, yeah, no, oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead yeah. Do you. All right. What is the best commercial beer, not your own, that you've had in the past week or two weeks? Uh, like one that you're like, this is a really well-made beer. And this is good. The heck have I had other than? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, commercial? You mean like macro or what? It doesn't matter. Um, non home brew. Non home brew. Um, yeah. One that you paid monies for or were given or. Oh, um, I had. Uh, God, what is Liney's? Their porter. The porter. The Big Eddie. No, they have a vanilla. Porter that's oh, at the do? bowling alley, yeah. Oh, that isn't. I mean, I was like, I haven't had one of those in a long time. And then what made me think of that is that we're actually drinking a couple of bottles of uh Summit Great Northern Porter right now. And actually, the Summit Great Northern uh, Porter Snowdrift. Snowdrift, that's yep, yep, yep. The Summit Great Northern Porter, um, that's the first beer I ever homebrewed was a clone. Oh, really? Yes. That's awesome. I, I literally, I still have the box from, uh, what was it called back then? Um, whatever. Yeah. It was either Northern Brewer or the, um, Oh, a Midwest, Midwest, supplies. Midwest supplies. It was probably Midwest supplies. Knowing me, I just, I don't, that, that's the one I always went to all the time, yep. but that being said, I, I actually still have the box that the kit came in. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. Well, there's like f- actual photographs in it, like from when there were cameras with photos. <laughs> so yeah, I keep. I just. I don't have an album. I just. It's just a big. You just keep them in a thing. Box of photos for me now, but yeah, that was their whatever their clone for this particular. Oh, porter. that's awesome. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very cool. Yep. All right. Um, and I guess I'll answer the. So. Yeah. What about you? Christmas. So Christmas happened. And we did our Christmas early, so Casey was alone on Christmas. Casey made oh, poor. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah. 
shitty. Oh, no, it was fine. I had a day to myself. It was beautiful. Oh, that's, yeah. Like, I went, I went like, Christmas uh, Christmas Eve. I went over to my folks. My dad smoked a, uh, a big old hunk of prime rib. Nice. And so I ate prime rib and uh, brought some sides, and we drank some, uh, we drank cocktails and played board games. It was nice. a really good night. Uh, and then so Christmas, um, I was able to procure myself uh, one of those uh, one of those Goose Island Bourbon County Oops, bottles, snap. and I made the poor decision of drinking all of that by myself. Oh boy! Um, and I say poor decision, but it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever actually killed a bottle of one of, the, of that myself, um, and it was delicious. I don't think I have either. Bourbon County is one of those beers that it's just good. Yeah. Year after year, except for that one year where half of them were sour. Sour. Mm-hmm. I got one of the sour bottles. I think we did too, or whoever I was sharing weird bottles with back then. Yep. Um, yeah, so I got my six bucks back though. I sent him the cap. It was all good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think I think that's the best one that I've had. Uh, <laughs> only gave you six bucks, or whatever it costs, like whatever the. I don't think they're they're not terribly expensive. Maybe it was really? like twelve bucks or whatever. But oh, huh. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm trying to remember what I paid this year for it. I don't know. I did this. This sounds so lame, but I have the the luxury of having as much free beer as I want, and so I don't. I I don't go and get beer at stores as often as I used to. I mean, I like to go look at all the stuff. Yeah, but you just like you you yeah. have enough where it's yeah, like, yeah, and then. You know, people bring stuff by the brewery too, and I get to try stuff that way. It just perks. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, no. The, really, the only time I go to the store to get beer is when we're out of Modelo, or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, usually, I usually buy a white claw. <laughs> or I go uh, when, when I'm store. when I'm going to get a show for do or a uh, beer for do. Yeah. I go into the liquor store and I'll buy a White Claw, and then my significant other likes uh, this wine, which is called Relax, because she needs it. <laughs> God, she listens to these. I'm sorry, Jenny. <laughs> Bring your mom a bottle of Relax. Your mama needs it. <laughs> oh, man. I always tell her that when she wants me to pour a glass of wine, I'll be like, do you have two bottles in the house? And she'll be like, no. And I'm like, well, then before I pour this, I'm going to the liquor store to get you a second bottle. Because <laughs> every single time you have a bottle, then you want one more glass. And every fucking time. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, Carlos and I killed four bottles of wine on Christmas. That was nice. a mistake. Um, oh, the last time we were in Duluth for a beer event at Seven West, or well, Superior, they had, we went to that live podcast Um Oh, you guys were at the winery or the the wine bar or something. Right? Yeah, it was like a wine bar. It was half price bottles of wine, and we went to this live podcast. Well, it's it's also a not live podcast, but you can watch it live. It's called Take It With You, and it's re- it's really funny. Uh, it's a very good podcast. Uh, but seeing it live, like I don't know, you guys would be bored out of your mind. Well, or maybe you wouldn't. If you're streaming, I'm waving at you on the camera. But if you were in the studio, you'd probably be bored. But this is like musicians and whatever. Anyway, long story short, yeah, we went, we killed like four bottles of wine. <laughs> All right. Well, should we get to our discussion? Yeah, topic? probably. Too much rambling here. Yeah, I feel like people are upset. That's okay. You guys Sorry. can get over it. Sorry, it's 2020. <laughs> we could ramble if we want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, today we're continuing our yeast discussion. 
Um, kind of like what we've been doing every other week. We do some more deep dive into yeasties. Mm-hmm. Yeasty beasties. Oh. Um, and we're starting a series on growth, handling, and storage. Um, so or the first thing we're going to talk about is pitching rates. This is something that we've touched on, we've mentioned a lot. Yeah. Um, usually we, we do a pretty simplified version of it is uh, do a starter or two smack packs. Yeah. Is kind of like our, our, has been like our rule of thumb. I just remember... When I was home brewing, when when I figured out that yeast was the huge X factor, I it blew my fucking mind. Like, yeah, you know. And I, I also I, what I wanted to read here is like at the beginning of chapter five, it says consistent high quality beer requires precise measurements. That's a very very simple sentence, but it is it's ex- a loaded ex- sentence. Re- well, totally, but it's ex- extremely important to remember that. Yeah, write, um, write everything down. Don't be like Casey. <laughs> Hey, hey, <laughs> you're right. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't be your friend if I couldn't call you out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I know. I have problems with writing things down. Why don't the measurements How take many times down? have you heard on this show where I'm like, what was the blah, blah, blah? And this case, he's like, I don't know. I didn't write it down because I brewed 88,000 styles of beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. All righty. Well, uh, now that we're done making fun of me, let's move on to. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right. Uh, But yeah, no. So pitching rate is one of the most important measurements on the fermentation side, if not the entirety of the beer. Uh, It's it's very important to get like this this bit right, Uh, because getting this wrong can ruin everything because you there's consequences for both over and under pitching um like for both of them there you're gonna get less than an ideal fermentation with high levels of diacetyl acetaldehyde and low attenuation if you over or under pitch more so more so on the under, under. more so on the under. O- over pitching like you've got written here is it's more of like over generations mm-hmm. um Yeah, low or unexpected esters, uh, yeast autolysis flavors, uh, poor head retention are some of the things for over pitching. Um, but I mean, we're talking like massive over pitch and on a homebrew scale. I don't know, listeners out there, I'm not sure how many times or if even you guys are re-pitching and frankly if you can afford to um just pitch a new um strain that's probably the best way to do it but i can't stress doing starters enough so if you're like on the edge of trying to figure that out and then you hear old wives tales about you know people being like oh when it when this yeast is on like the third generation you know it's it's the best and it's like, well, yeah, but you can't always have everything on the third generation. So, like, what what X factor are you changing? But I'm saying, as a home brewer, just just buy a new yeast to make a starter every time. Well, if you can afford to, I mean, otherwise, just pitch onto the cake, whatever. I, that works fine too. But if you're worried about something like that, then just just repitch. It's that cheap. makes sense. Um, did we talk about under under pitching? Uh, under pitching, we're talking about like a slower, a, a much slower fermentation, longer lag times, uh, 
can allow other bacteria and wild yeast to take hold. Because you don't have the colony strength. Right, because the colony's, you know, strength is low and not as dominant. Um, and I will tell you that when you underpitch, your beer will taste like punishment beer. It will taste awful. Um, it, it will generate esters and aromas and things that it just, it's just terrible. Um, sour, weird. Um, so, so getting this right is very important. Yeah. Yeah. You're better off over pitching than under pitching. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, and like, uh, so if you have to choose between the two, I don't know why you would, but if you have to, <laughs> over pitching is more tolerant. I choose over pitching. <laughs> yeah, over pitching is always more tolerant before fe- uh, fermentation defects are evident. So, like, like Brian was saying, you would have to way over like more yeast than beer, mm-hmm. like before you're you're getting into some of these issues. Um, and then don't like your exact cell count isn't nowhere anywhere near as important as your cell count consistency because using that same cell count will give you uh, repeatable results mm-hmm. um, like, but you don't need to worry too much about well I I know exactly how many billions of cells are are in are in here as long as you kind of have an idea and you're in the same and you're using the same practice every time yeah uh, you should be able to get consistent repeatable mm-hmm. results um, all right well but that doesn't mean we shouldn't worry about cell counts because right. that can be fun. So uh, mm-hmm. as far as that goes, so the, the repeatable results, there's that. Uh, but the simplest, simplest method for estimating yeast count is measuring the volume or weight of the slurry. Uh, at the brewery, we weigh it. Okay, weigh the slurry. Um, I will definitely step out onto the brew floor uh, when they're pulling yeast from cone to cone or putting it into a brink. And I will take a gloved pinky finger and swipe up some yeast, and I will smell it, and I'll taste it. Um, you know, get just like every brewing ingredient, smell it and taste it, except for hops. Don't don't eat hops. That <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll be, you learn that one. Quick. You'll be tasting hops for like two weeks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, chew on, chew on grain, smell and taste your yeast. Give it a visual. Um, shit weigh your slurry uh throw it in a jar if you're washing or doing anything like that or weigh the carboy uh and that without yeast and then weigh the carboy with yeast do you guys um, do a do a cell count as well or no rarely okay because by by weight and by looking at it and tasting it and smelling it is i mean it's yeah it's it's the same it's the same yeah. it's cone to cone or it go like i said it goes into a brink and then um, the, the issue that we have that why we don't do more, um, cell counts, which we're actually getting into it. It's funny that again, it's funny this gets brought up, but, um, in the brink, there's not a very good way to stir the yeast. Oh, so you okay. need a specialty piece of equipment to clamp to the brink in order to, you know, sanitize to give it and a- then stir it. Or, or if you're going to wash your yeast. In order to get it like an even distribution so you can Correct. take an accurate cell count. so you can take count. an accurate cell count. So that's, you know, that's why this, what was it, cell, cell count consistency is more por- important than the actual cell count. Um, but if you do take a look at yeast on under a microscope, you can tell which, you can see the bud scars of the um, on the actual cell, and it, it's kind of neat. Yeah. So, and if you if you have access to a microscope or mm-hmm. a spectrophotometer, 
Yep. Um, you can you can uh, count the cells in a sample, and then extrapolate from that well, to get a relative. Yeah, you're gonna need what's called a hemocytometer, or a, like a um, it's like a uh, it it looks like a Sudoku puzzle without any numbers in it, and that's. Well, that sounds very hard to beat. <laughs> I believe it. I believe that's. <laughs> I gotta Google this now, but yeah, it's the thing um, that you would uh, put the yeast in, or put the yeast on, and put a slide over it. So it's for counting cells. Oh, okay. Hemocytometer. Um, see, I'm, I googled it. See, it looks like a. Oh, neat. Sudoku. Okay, so it's just like a specialty slide, or a, yeah, okay. it's a specialty like like plate, and they're. Quite quite expensive, if I remember correctly. Maybe like a plus or minus a hundred dollars. Um, Oofda. Which yeah, which is expensive as far as home brewing gear yep. goes, right? Um, but yeah, so you vector it in there, um, and it's a like a counting chamber device that was originally designed and usually used for counting like blood cells, but you can um, also use it to do yeast. You can use it for something way more important: counting brewers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, moving okay. On. Um, yeah. So after you've kind of estimated or figured out your your slurry, um, you can kind of get your pitching rate. So um, there's there's a there's a calculator. Uh, so like a rule of thumb, a very base base rule of thumb is one million cells of yeast per milliliter of wort per degree Play-Doh of that wort, um, and that will give you how many cells you need to pitch. For a very base rule of thumb, mm-hmm. um, and again, this is like it's not the best rule to follow, um, in my opinion, because ales are going to be a lot lower than that. Yep, uh, at about 0.75 million, half as much. Yep, um, or even lower than that, depending. Like if you're looking at like British ales or Visons, you're yep. going to want less yeast. Or you need less yeast, um, because of the fl- nature of their the because, way they flocculate. Yep. yep. Um, and then you need to go much higher than that to like one and a half, one point seven five for it, loggers. I'll put it to you this way: if if you listeners out there, if you guys are at the point where you're able to make loggers, I would hope that you understand that you need to pitch twice as much yeast into mm-hmm. your lager as you do in your ale. Um. Yep, and that's and that's just a good good rule of thumb there too. Like if you're pitching double it. if you're yes, if you're pitching two two packs of yeast per ale, five gallon ale, um, you'll want to pitch four packages or whatever lager yeast. Mm-hmm. And, um, hopefully, hopefully you understand that. Yes, because <laughs> lager brewing. Well, it's it, it's it's not that it's complicated it's just different it's it's, it's different just, and it's not as forgiving correct it's just another beer keep that in mind don't don't feel intimidated feel intimidated well feel intimidated if you don't have temperature control over your fermenters then fine but i at the brewery it's like we have control over everything so i don't feel intimidated yeah well but you're yeah um but i don't know were you intimidated by your first lager as a home brewer well yeah yeah, I mean it's Definitely. it's it's it it is a step from ale to lager at the homebrew level. I feel I feel like it's a pretty big step um, in trying to dial in your process control and um, I mean and but you're like you're right. It is just another beer, but it's one that it it needs a lot more control than your ale does. 
to get a True. decent result. Yeah. We're talking like diacetyl rest, yeah. salt for production, stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, for your pitching rate, um, yeah, uh, it and again, your your pitching rate will change for each individual beer. Right. Ales are different than lagers, and like visons are different than um, like pale ales. Mm-hmm. Like as far as pitching rates go, so that is something that you need to figure out. And depending on what flavors and characters you're going for, um, and the style of yeast that you're using, that can also change your pitching rate. Very true. Um, if you're really trying to nail down, like, or if there's like a like a. What's my old nemesis? Why yeast thirty seven twenty four? That that Dupont Saison strain that sticks. Yep. Like I've never brewed with it that where it didn't stick, and I like I've stuck by my word. And like what I've been in this industry for seven or eight years, uh, never ever using Saison Dupont thirty seven twenty four. <laughs> never using it commercially because every fucking time I use it as a home brewer, it's stuck. <laughs> pitch three packages. Pitch four packages. Pitch two packages. Stick stuck stuck. Jump, yep. jump in with some champagnes and finish it. <laughs> um, so. All right. And so, uh, and like these rates are for repitching harvested yeast. With new pitches from the lab, you can get away with almost 50% less in some cases. Right. Um, with your new like that. But for homebrewers, that's not entirely like you. Yes, you're getting it from the lab, but you're not getting necessarily fresh pitches from the lab. Mm-hmm. You're getting smack packs and vials. Yeah. And well, I guess not vials anymore. The weird little whatever like they, uh, uh gogurt tubes <laughs> i don't they do look that <laughs> they look exactly like gogurt they, tubes. it commercially it for bigger pitches it comes in what like look it's like a collapsible milk jug almost um we use dry we use uh dry yeast for the most part at the brewery because then you know if you're short in a pitch you just throw another just throw some more dry yeah. yeast in. dry yeast works great it is Totally predictable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for yeast that's been sitting around the shelf, you're going to need to revi- revitalize and modify your pitching rates. Mm-hmm. Um, starters. That's what starters are for. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so estimating your yeast density is the um, I kind of find I feel like the the final part of of this pitching rate because if you know your cell count, um, that's great. But you also need to know like how much how many cells are per like milliliter or whatever. Um, and you can get as like if if you know your cell count you can really figure that out pretty easily but if you don't have access to that um there's a few things you can do uh one um you can use like the typical like you can use the rule of thumb typical yeast slurries contain one to three billion cells per milliliter and just kind of go off of that um or you can use a dilution test to get an idea and so this this I, I like I I did some research today and kind of played around with it and it was kind of fun. Um, so in a standard uh, thirteen by hundred millimeter test tube, just your standard test tube, um, a yeast density of less than one million cells per milliliter isn't visibly turbid. Oh, right. Interesting. So you can take a sample and use serial dilution. Um, and serial dilution is so if you cut like, it in half, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So you add um, a a set amount of distilled water to that, and then um, if that's still not where you want it, then you take a sample of that, add that to another test tube, and add the same amount of distilled water to that to dilute it even more. And you keep doing that. Um, 
to until the solution isn't visibly turbid. And then you can take uh, you can there's some there's a lot of calculators and stuff out there that you can use to do this for you, which I would recommend unless you really want to do all the yeah. math by hand. Nope. But take advantage of other people's work. And that uh, <laughs> I mean, and that will give you the dilution percentage. So using that, you can figure out um, what your yeast density is per milliliter. If if your slurry is like it, like you were talking about, like not being able to like stir your slurry or stir yeah. like in the uh, uh, brink in the brink mm-hmm. to to like get it all get a solution. uniform get a sample. uniform sample, mm-hmm. um, and then you can do that. Or if you're using dry yeast, you can just estimate it by weight. Yeah, like that's, and that's super easy. Yeah, but I mean, if you want to save even more money, like dry yeast is cheap. If you want to save even more money, then buy a re-pitching. You know, like what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can really, really maximize the potential of your dry yeast by reusing it. Yeah. Um, and then once you know the density, you can divide the total cells required by the cells per milliliter of the slurry. And then you know how much of the slurry you need to add for your pitching rate. Mm-hmm. It's all math and it science. It's all math and science. Science. Is there anything else you would like to add about... Um, like, so the, like the, uh, there's a big section in here on commercial pitching and I don't know if we really need to get into that. Probably not. No, I don't think that's really our audience. No. Um, but if you guys want more of that, let us know. Yes. Let us know. And as always, if we've got something wrong or misspoke or, or you have questions. Yeah. Or you want us to dive deeper on a particular thing. But I think that let kinda, us know. Yeah. Um, kind of goes, is a good, like. Overview of pitching rates. Right. All right. So we, we do have, have some listener mail. Oh, Bjorn. All right. So this one is this one is kind of. Um. So. Uh. Well, I'll read it and then we can talk about it. So Bjorn has a few questions about dry hopping and at what point does it hit saturation? I have so many questions I've been pondering for years regarding this paper. S. R. Lafontaine's. Uh. Lafontaine. T. H. Shellhammer. A paper of Impact of Static Dry Hopping Rate on the Sensory and Analytical Profiles of Beer. I believe this is the paper where they found evidence of the diminishing returns of dry hopping and found the proof of saturation point of 8 grams of hops per liter. Uh, We do pounds per barrel. Yeah. But, yeah, just to not to stop you there, but, yeah, there is definitely a saturation point. Oh, yeah. Um, so the first question, and this, this is kind of the, the, the question I really want to tackle here because I have an idea and I want to know, or I, I have a theory and I want to know if your, if yours kind of lines up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so the question is when does the action or when does the dry hopping period start? And for me, I feel like, uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm more, more and more thinking the hop stand as the first dry hopping. I've experimented with hop stands as cold as 40 degrees C, which is as hot as the Kivik fermentation may be done. Um, so I think a as soon as as soon as you're not getting any isomerization, you're dry hopping. Yeah. I think I think that's that's, that's I don't know how point. many people would necessarily agree or well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I I'm with you on that, yeah. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, that that, that, was, that was that's kind of where I, like as long as the hops aren't being isomerized, mm-hmm. like well, it doesn't count it, for for starters. It doesn't count in the IB. It doesn't count for IBUs, right? Um, because you're not you're not pulling any of those acids, 
or isomerizing any of those compounds to be converted into bitterness. Um, well, but then there's then there's the theories. Well, does dry hopping add bitterness or not? And we get into that. I don't know if it does. Um, but yeah, so I would say dry hopping starts at uh, as soon as you're not isomerizing. Uh, what what do you remember? What the isomerization temp is? Um, uh, one. Nope. Yeah, you'd have to look it up. Okay. A summarization temperature one seventy five or seventy nine C. Got it. Um, the other thing he's asking here is, do we calculate the hop stand and the bio transformation hop addition to this? Um, to your saturation. If hop stand is in the kettle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, gosh, it's a tough one. Yes, yes, and no. Um, because a, a a lot of the in a hop stand, a lot gets washed down the whirlpool. Like you'll still have a big cake of um hop hop matter matter, and so no, you're. I mean, you can calculate it, but there is, there's not really a good way to to calculate how much oil or volatile that you've lost in what's sitting in the bottom of the whirlpool after your hop stand. Because you would definitely want a whirlpool after a hop stand. Oh, God, yeah. Um, otherwise, you're going to have too much shit floating around. Um, and then, so, so let's separate that. So his question is, another part of his question, rather, is do we calculate hop stand? No, don't. Uh, biotransformation hop addition. Yeah, I yeah, would calculate that side. exactly. The, yeah, because it's cold side. I would calculate that exactly the same way as that you would um, calculate uh, any any other hop dry hop addition. Yeah. Similarly, since we are on the subject of yeast, you need to um, biotransformation will fuck with your yeast. You too. do not repitch your bio yeast, right? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Or or I would get a cell count, and then you're you're going to have a lot of dead, you know, yeast. Uh, hops have like this, you know, my, microbial. Antimicrobial. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, preservative. Property, preservative property. property so that fucks with the yeast. Um, so let's see the answer. Do we calculate the hop stand? No. Do we calculate the biotransform hop addition? Yes. Into the eight grams per liter saturation point, um, which is different in the States or different for commercial because we do pounds per barrel. Yeah. Uh, or is it... Only the traditional post-fermentation hop addition that makes up the hop saturation. I would point. say anything any, any, post-kettle. Yep. Post anything right? post-kettle, uh, yes. Uh, what is the saturation point if you're using cryo-hops? <laughs> is this all grass? Oh. Uh, I don't know on that one. I'd have to look that up or yeah. think, think about but it. But I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's like, so yeah, the weight's going to be different. Mm-hmm. But if you can, yeah, I don't know. Cryo is essentially just like deep freeze. And so, yeah, you're going to get more of the stuff that you want. And so Mm -hmm. potentially, yeah. Yeah, so potentially it'll be less. Mm -hmm. Or less by weight. Yeah. It should be anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, that's what I know. Cool. We got some hop. We haven't had hop discussion in a while. That was kind of fun. All right. Well, should we get out of here? Yes. All righty. Scandalous. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching a lot of uh, Recess lately. So that's, that's what he does when he's typing on it, or he's trying to 
play the intro or the outro music right now. You know what? <laughs> well, you know I'm what? sorry, this has just been a rip on Casey. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like, oh, hey, Casey, hey, 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 fuck you. I didn't realize this was D-O-O. I am hungover. <laughs> I am tired. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindersstudios or follow us on Twitter at blindersstudios.com. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.